This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley. And in our third installment of the Georgia Fan Story series, we are fired up to have Clayton Lovell with us tonight. Clayton, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we are uh, we're excited to hear your story. I know just a little piece of it, so I'm going to get to hear a lot of it as you tell it to our listeners. So just start us off with kind of what your path was to becoming a Georgia fan. Absolutely. So my grandfather actually went to the University of Georgia in the 50s for undergrad and for vet school, I think all the way to the very beginning of the 60s. So my dad was born in Athens and grew up going to games between the hedges. And obviously, as fate would have itself, when we were small, small children, um, much like other people on this podcast, it kind of carries in the footsteps. We, our, you know, our father would take us to those Georgia games, just gained a love for the dogs. Um, always said, you know, Georgia born, Georgia bred, and when I'm gone, by the grace of God, Georgia dead. And <laughs> just became really passionate Georgia fans and um, had season, ticket holder, season tickets um, growing up, but was able to, towards the end of my college career, um, buy my own season tickets. Um, at times, actually, Candler and I would buy season tickets together and uh, Candler Cook and just just fell in love with the dogs and really became passionate in those Mark Rick years and into the end of the Mark Rick era. era. Um, and I think I had a stretch where I went to every home game from 2010 until 2018 and I think we missed like one or two home games in 2019. And then that stretch kind of came to an end in 2020. And um, we just started going back in 2021. Well, I have to talk to you a little bit about 2021, just because what a magical year it was. So how many games did you get to attend this year? I only went to one game in 2021, actually. Which one um, was it? It was the Kentucky game. So it was a college game day game. And I actually took my brother-in-law, who went to the University of Richmond, and big Spider fan, and he'd always wanted to experience an SEC game. And I think that going into that game, I think that he knew that it was going to be different than what he had been used to with the Richmond Spiders and with the Maryland Terrapins. And when he got there, his eyes were as big around as coasters. Like, <laughs> he was speechless. He had a grin on his face. The loudness, the the stadium rocking from side to side, the everything about it, uh, and it made and that in itself was worth its weight in gold to see how someone else, how someone else reacts to an SEC game when you've been going to your been going to them your whole life and been used to it. Yeah, I love that. We um we took 
my two older kids to South Carolina in 2020 uh, mm-hmm. at Williams Bryce. So obviously super limited seating because of COVID, but that was my daughter's first SEC football game. So this fall, my brother and I decided we were going to take the big kids to the South Carolina game. And so we took them and it was obviously the only night game of the year at Sanford. So got to see kind of the, the red lights come on during light up Sanford and man, watch my little girl experience that. And same thing, man, her eyes were just big as quarters and like she couldn't, I couldn't process, it. you know, she was dancing every time out with the music and it was just, it was such a cool thing. And I think for, for us anyways, that's become a lot of the magic of it. I mean, obviously you mm-hmm. love when the dogs win and we're rooting for that and nobody more fired up than us. That they won this year, but kind of the memories that we've made in following them and, and experiencing the games and the weekends together, that's kind of, I feel like what you, what you take away and hold on to in your heart. So that, yeah. that, that's been, that's been the best part. So tell me from when you were going as a kid, what's one of your favorite memories of going to Sanford and seeing the dogs as a kid? I loved all the games, but one of the ones that stands out to me and I, and you'll have to remind me of the year, but when, when um, Georgia Tech's quarterback missed, he, he missed a snap count. Remember on third yeah. down, I think he, he, he grounded the ball. I remember it snowing that night and like sleeting and it was just so cold. And we were on the away side that night. And I can remember that and the electricity of, of him missing that and us winning that game because back then it was Georgia, Georgia Tech was close. Yeah. It was exactly. close every year. Yeah. The gap has definitely gotten a lot larger, but that was a good memory. Um, the 2002 season was a good memory. Uh, 2007 blackout game against Auburn. That was a great memory. So many good memories. Yeah, that's cool you have it from the experience of going to so many home games because I, I do feel like that's such a different experience being in the stadium. I feel like the emotion is such a different animal. Mm-hmm. When you were going to all the games in person, would you then come home and still watch the TV copy? Or would you just go off the memory of being there or what? So at that time, I hadn't discovered the tool that is YouTube. Like Michael <laughs> Scott said, I spent as soon as I discovered YouTube, I said I spent days on that. <laughs> in my in my my later years, after every Georgia game, I always find myself watching it and analyzing it on YouTube. And my wife is probably annoyed because now I think I've watched the national championship on YouTube three hundred times, and like I watched all the games from twenty twenty one, all the highlights over YouTube just to analyze them. But yeah, in the later part of life. Definitely analyzing them on YouTube, watching the highlight reels, um, watching the the TV coverage, all that kind of stuff to see what it looks like from the screen. Yeah, it's really cool. I th- it's a really cool time to be a fan just because there is so much ma- so much accessibility and so much coverage that you can always kind of scratch the itch when you want to. Whereas compared to when you're a kid and you get the Jefferson pilot game of the week and then you don't see anything else except maybe one weeknight show that was on local TV and that's it, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's such a, it's such a different coverage animal now, which is fantastic, especially with all the streaming stuff and, and everything on social and all those type things. So let me ask you this about the upcoming season, 2022 season, what are you most excited about and what are you most, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but what, what do you have concerns if any about? Well, I'm most excited about the Oregon game 
I'm really excited about that. This will actually be my wife and I's first time in the, the Mercedes Benz Stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna love it. It is a. Uh, I, I think it is really really cool. I mean, I, I didn't have any problem with the Georgia Dome, but the Benz is a really cool environment. I've not sat anywhere in there where I thought was a bad sightline. It's a really cool viewing experience. One of my favorite things is. So, have y'all been to the College Football Hall of Fame yet? Yes. Yes, okay. it's awesome. So you know the helmet wall they have with all the teams on it? Mm-hmm. So inside of the bins, they have one just like it, except instead of college helmets, it's, it's every helmet of every high school football team in the state of Georgia. So you have to check that out. It's real cool. It's, at the, it's right at the top of this elevator or escalator as you come into the stadium, and it's, it's a showpiece for sure. You'll appreciate this. Do you know who – when I was a senior, do you know who was the freshman quarterback of our high school? Who? Blake Sims. And then when he was a senior, do you know who was a quarterback as a freshman for my high school? Who? Deshaun who Watson. Good Lord. Talk about an embarrassment of riches at that high school. And neither Gainesville one was Georgia. School. Gainesville High oh. School, the Red Elephants. Two college football playoff quarterbacks. So here's my thing. It always bothered me, and I think it's, it's kind of funny how things work out. I always thought that was a big miss, not recruiting him as proactively as I think they should have at high school, Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the Blake, yeah. Sim- oh, yeah. Blake Sims one I can kind of get because of who they had in the cupboard at that time, but missing on Deshaun was almost unforgivable. I mean, that was a, that was a whiff. I think it – I mean, I, I don't want to speak to this as fact, but I – I think a lot of people were upset that the people that we had in charge at that time didn't go after him or even give him a look. Um, and I'm sure that it had to play a role in, or a factor into decisions that came out in 2015. That's just yeah, my opinion. I would agree with that. I, I would love to hear some more background on that story to kind of understand what that recruitment looked like and all those things. I mean, I have heard some of the stories about Trevor Lawrence's recruitment when Schottenheimer was there and essentially Schottenheimer just paid him no attention (laughs) and kind of lost the relationship, which I mean, it is what it is. I I think that was, that was a tough part too. That was such a miss as a hire. And if you had followed pro football at all, you kind of knew what that was going to look like when he was the hire, just because I feel like everywhere he had been, had been a Mm -hmm. dud offensively. But the flip side of that, and this is how we always try to look at it, is if X, Y, and Z hadn't happened, maybe Kirby's at South Carolina and not in Athens, and maybe this whole run doesn't happen, all the facilities don't get bit. So who knows, right? I mean, I told my wife that the other day. If we had a went to the – did you wish that we had a went to more games in 2021? Nope, because I don't want to change anything because what if I had to change the outcome? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just fun. Even like 2017, the way that ended – I feel like getting to experience this almost made it sweeter because of how bitter a pill that was to swallow, yeah. especially this year, the way it worked out with losing the SEC title game and in the fashion that they lost the SEC title game then to get that shot at redemption. Because Let me ask you this, because yeah. boss, boss and I have gone back and forth about this. And for me, and maybe this is dumb because I, again – a national title is a national title is a national title. And I really wouldn't have cared if they'd beaten, you know, little sisters of the poor, they're still the national champion. Right. 
But for me, it meant more and it was sweeter because it was Alabama, because of the ghosts of 12 and the ghosts of 17 and the ghosts of SEC title 18. I mean, was that how it was for you or are you in the camp of I didn't really care? They could have played Maryland and it wouldn't have bothered me. It was meant to be that way. Yeah. It was meant to be that way. And Kirk Herbstreet said it before at the beginning of the season. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was at Herb Street or, or David Pollock that said Georgia will go undefeated. They'll lose to Alabama in the SEC championship and then redemption in the national championship. Yeah. It, it was, was meant David. to be. Yeah. David yeah. said that. It yeah. He had a good be. read on them. He said something interesting last week, which I feel like he got a little bit of flat for, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with. He got asked about the defense for the upcoming season, and he said they will give up twice as many points as they gave up last year. And I think people went, oh, my God, like, no way. But, like, think about that. They gave up, I don't know, 10.3 points a game. So if they, give up 20, <laughs> yeah, if they give up 20 points a game in today's college game, I don't think that's super far-fetched. Um, because I, I also think, and we have an upcoming episode that we talked about this on, but I think the driver of this year's team – the, is going to be the inverse from last year. I think they are Offense. going to look to score a lot more points just because the weapons are going to be so different. Plus, I am super interested, especially with the lack of, I guess, talk that, that's been around him. I think Stetson is going to have, even after being the national championship winning quarterback, a big-time boulder on his shoulder. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he is getting zero love, zero shine. Like, they're releasing all these quarterback lists. Yeah, 100%. All these quarterback lists, like top 20 quarterbacks in the country, he's not even top 20. Like, I mean, get out of here. Like, it's just bananas. So It's dangerous because that's what fueled him to win. The, that's what fueled him last time is being yeah. disrespected. And, and I think he's going to have a lot of that this year because he's got a real chance if they stay healthy with the weapons they have, I think they have a pretty big year offensively. Because um, I also think Coach Monk is going to air it out a little bit more because they know they're, they're not going to be as dominant as they were last year. I don't know if they'll be double double points per game worse, but I could see them being in that 16 to 17 point a game range, which is still, I mean, mm-hmm. a pretty elite defense. So Very. Um, all right. I want to do the smart 16 with you, which is what we do with all of our guests. So 16 questions in honor of Coach Smart, <laughs> and only one of them has changed since we did this in the original version, but we'll get to that. So, all right. First question, Clayton, what's your middle name? Tyler. Is that a family name? <laughs> I don't even know. I like it, but <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Yeah, so it's funny. We, we ask that sometimes and people have like these long stories about their middle name origin, and then other ones like, no, nah, parents just liked it. <laughs> yeah. So, so either way is good. Um, okay, who is your favorite dog of all time? Oh, that's easy. Herschel Walker. And a big day for him. Big day. Yeah, big day. Happy for him. Herschel was great when we had him on and couldn't have been nicer in our interaction. Thrilled for him. Um, also, he has DGD Mallory Blunt that is his press secretary, so we're happy for her too. Uh, what is your favorite game that you have ever attended? Does it have to be in Sanford Stadium? No. I will have a question for that too, but this is just overarching. So – could have been a playoff game, could have been a road game, anyone. 2017 Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Hold on. We got to have a little side chat about that. We yes, were also there. Yes. Where did y'all stay? 
Candler Cook and I and our buddy Brian, who actually I think he tried to walk on to Georgia as well. Um, we stayed in Chicago um, oh, for two or three days. It did the whole thing there. And then we actually rode the Great Lakes train around the south end of the lake and rode it in a south bend on Friday morning. And we stayed in South Bend um, for Friday until Sunday. And can I give you a side story? Yeah, 100%. Um, we paid. We went to the linebacker on both Friday and Saturday night. And I don't know if you know, okay. the linebacker was where Rudy got in a fight with his brother at. We went and there on Friday. We went there on Friday. Yeah. We paid the DJ on Saturday night $50, I believe, to play the Georgia fight song over and over again. <laughs> and so on the, on the next day, maybe on Sunday or Monday, an article came up on irishsportsdaily.com their version of, of Georgia's um, non-university sponsored um, yeah. sports thing, yeah. uh, media. And they called for a boycott of the, of the backer for, for playing that song. And the next weekend, <laughs> and I, I'll send you the screenshot afterwards. The next weekend, one of my coworkers lives in South Bend and he's a Notre Dame season ticket holder. He said, nobody showed up to the backer in protest for the next weekend's game because of that. Oh, that's hysterical. It, dude, and it that was, was Candler a, Cook and my doings. It, it was a magical weekend. I mean, first <laughs> off, I'm sure y'all have been the same, but we have told anybody who would listen, if you're just a college football fan, right? Like even if your team isn't playing there and you get the chance to go to South Bend for a Notre Dame football weekend, you must do it. It's not a you should, it's a you must do it. Um, I have a good buddy who is a big Notre Dame fan. And for his 40th birthday him and his family are going for the first time this year. So this wow. fall they're going and they're going to the Stanford game. So good history between those two schools too. So I'm fired up for him. Uh, did y'all make your way over to and spend any time at the Morrison on campus? Oh, uh, we did not. And if we did, I might not have known that that was what it was. It was a blur because there were so many things we did. So I'm not sure to be honest. So I didn't really know anything about it until we got on campus, but it is an on-campus hotel. And wow. you can stay there and it is literally, I mean, you could throw a football and hit the stadium from there. And it's really cool. It reminded me of the Washington Duke and a little bit uh, in Durham, North Carolina on Duke's campus, but cooler because it's more centralized. But we had gotten an Airbnb because it was so hard to find places to stay in South Bend. And we were, we were at the Morrison Friday and Saturday and Saturday, just out of curiosity, I went up to the front desk, you know, how much is, is it to stay a night here thinking it was going to be cost per hood? And she's like, would you like to stay tonight? And I was like, wait, you guys have opening slants? She goes, yeah, we have cancellations every weekend. Um, either media folks don't come or whatever it may be. And then we just sell if people want to stay. And we almost, and if I knew now or knew them or I know now, we would have done it. Uh, mm -hmm. Because it was such a mess trying to get back to our Airbnb with traffic and no cell service and stuff, but um, it was 130 bucks a night, and like that's not bad. Oh, it was stealing, man! And um, so next time we go, that's that's what I'm fixing to do is stay at the Morrison because I want to take um, want to take our kids back when they get a little older, just so they can see the campus and everything. But man, it was cool, and then for them to win the way that they won, and it be a night game, and like oh, it was magical. Fifty percent. So of the crowd it was Georgia fans, if not more. So did that surprise yeah. you that on campus, it felt like it was all red the whole weekend. We've always traveled. Well, our schools always traveled. Our 
Georgia's always traveled well. Um, but I will say that I did not expect that. I think their stadium holds 79,000 people. And I'd have to check the numbers, but Georgia was well over 50%. And it blew my mind because this is one of the most historic football programs in the history of college football. They're a crafter of college football, and they love their team. So that surprised me. It surprised me. There were multiple articles I saw in the local papers the next day about the volume of fans. A couple of editorials about how it was a travesty to Notre Dame football that that many away fans were there. So, yeah, great weekend. God, it was a great weekend. Great season, too. Um, okay, what is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? You know, I've listened to your podcast since it started, and I have multiple. Um, first off, if you ask me what my the team I hate the most is, I'd say Georgia Tech. Oh, because of their, okay. Because of their fan base. Yeah, but, yeah. But my favorite rivalry is a tie between the cocktail party and the Deep South's oldest rivalry. There's something about those two games that is special. The whole CBS on M- – the, M- the SEC on CBS intro song, everything about it is just awesome. Both yeah, of them. Th- those have been the top two choices, and I think justifiably so. I mean, for us, it's the same. And I will tell you, in the last 10 years, the Auburn rivalry has really gained steam for me. I mean – if you listen to the show, you know I'm an unabashed cocktail party guy. I love the cocktail party. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Christmas for me. It's just uh, I just love that weekend. But, you know, um, Deep South's oldest rivalry was the first game I ever went to between the hedges. So it'll always hold a big, big sentimental place in my heart, too. And I just feel like there is a lot of vitriol there. And I do think there is a lot to the notion that a lot of kids that go to high school together go to the separate colleges, right? So there's a lot of mm-hmm. familiarity and family that goes there. And I'm sure there is some of that with Florida, but it's not it's not as deep as it is with Auburn. So yeah, I think there's a lot of validity to that. And I think they will for sure, I think Florida and Auburn are the locks will be Georgia's cross, cross opponents with this new scheduling they're going to do. And then yeah. I'm real interested to see the, the, the scuttlebutt is that it'll be South Carolina will be the third annual opponent. Um, which I get they've played South Carolina more than they've played Tennessee, but it will feel weird not to play Tennessee each year. So I love playing Tennessee. So that will yeah. be weird. Yeah. I think that's going to be a, a funky thing. I mean, nothing's set in stone yet, but that seems to be what the tea leaves are, are reading thus far. So, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. Kind of on the same vein, what is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern conference? Well, I'm not going to say – I can't say TIAA Bank Field because that's not an SEC stadium. <laughs> but Vanderbilt's fun. Yeah, Because it's it in is Nashville. Fun. You take it over. Um, man, that, that's a fun place. Um, and not Old a bad Miss, seat in the house either. Yeah, not a bad seat in the house. It's really good view, and there's no – there's no um, – nothing that blocks vision. Old Miss is fun. Old Miss is fun for more reasons than not, but it's fun too. Yeah, that's on our list. We, we really want to do a dogs game at the Grove. And that will be the nicer thing about the new scheduling arrangement is hopefully getting to see these these schools every every other year or so. We are fixing to go to Starkville this year to cross that one off the list. We try to do a, a different away stadium if we can each year. COVID threw a little bit of a wrench in that. But the, I think we're going to try to mark that one off. And I've heard downtown Starkville's actually got some cool stuff. They've got like a, I don't know if it's called like the Cotton Loft District or... I can't remember what it's called, but 
it's very cool. cool. Yeah, and you have to eat it the little dewy while you're that's there. I, that's what I read. I heard it's awesome. Yeah. It's the people that broad all these college football broadcasters, they all eat there when they go into town. And I think it was Anthony Bourdain or the other gentleman that also had stopped by there and really enjoyed it. Oh, we'll have to do that. Okay. Well, that's going to be yeah. at the top of the list then. We'll for sure do that. Okay. What is the loudest home game you ever attended at Sanford Stadium? Wow. That's a good question. Um, it's easy though. 2019 Notre Dame. That is the loudest game I've ever seen in my entire life. Wait, so I'm interested in this because you were at the blackout too. Mm-hmm. So that, that's good perspective because that those are two very popular answers. A lot of folks say Notre Dame 19 and then others – you know, are hard and fast on 07. So I'm interested. That's, that's interesting. See, I was not at the 07 blackout. I was at 19 Notre Dame and it was explosively loud. It was awesome. And extra people too. They had extra people yes. in there. That's, that's right. The that's right. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. You get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia theater. Who do you choose? Morgan Wallen. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be neat to see big artists in an intimate venue like that. Did you see the, have you been following the news stories about um, the civic center? They're going to build in Athens, the hockey arena. They're going to have the minor league hockey team there now. I did not do that. I did not know that. I love hockey, go capitals, but I did, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So they're going to be in the ECHL and um, I haven't announced like a team name yet or anything, but uh, they're going to play there. It's going to be like 5,500 seater. UGA club ice hockey team is going to play there, which is really cool. They do a lot of good cool season. Stuff. Good really season good last season. season, by the way. Yes, really good season. And they, they, they do awesome stuff with their merch and everything. So I love that. And then they're talking about having that be a kind of bigger concert venue. So, you know, if you're not big enough to say play Sanford when they start having concerts there again, maybe you play at the Civic Center if you're a bigger act. So I think that'll be cool. Um, all right. What is the cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? I'd probably just have a bleem high ginger ale, to be honest. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Boss and I have talked about, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do an episode where we each do the smart 16 because we haven't done it. We actually taped uh, an episode where we didn't, except we didn't hit record. So that was a big bummer. It was about an hour and 45 minutes. Just no audio, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, We've gone back and forth about what the answer would be, because if, if it's a, am I just having one, that would be a different answer than, is it actually going to practically be my drink of choice for the whole day of the cocktail party? Two very different answers, I will say that, <laughs> that, is, that, that is a marathon day. All right. What is, you're in Athens for one meal. What is your favorite place to eat in Athens? Last resort. Yeah, that's a good one. What do or, you get when you or go Or trapeze, or the trapeze. So it's interesting. I'm pretty sure trapeze was the spot that, who told us they liked that? Drew Butler, I think, said he really liked that. Was he the one who told us the trapeze? We need to try that. We haven't eaten at that one yet, so we got to try that. How about, um, do you have any game day superstitions? I don't. I'm not really a superstitious person. I just try to make sure I get in the stadium early enough for kickoff. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. In that same kind of spot, what is your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? The lone trumpeter. Yeah, man, that's how good was it when they had the Masters in November and they did the the cold open with the lone trumpeter going into the the Masters? Man, I just thought that was electric. 
It's beautiful. It's it, that the whole thing gives me chills. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times I experience it. I could even watch it on YouTube and I will get goosebumps. I mean, it's, it's a one of a kind thing. I do think too, the way it dovetails right into Larry doing the battle hymn and all of it. I mean, it's just, God, it's, it's so incredible. So I love that. And then Babla and Babla O'Reilly. Yeah. That song gives me chills as well. I love that. Yeah. Pre-game atmosphere at Sanford's pretty, pretty incredible. All right. Black jerseys. Yes or no? Oh, God. Some of the memories of black jerseys have been bad, but, you know, we seem to forget all, all the memories have been good except for one game. So I think yeah, we're like five true. against one. I like the black jerseys, but I like them. To, they have to be the right black jerseys. The ones that we wore in 2020 with the, the logos on the side were terrible. The ones that we wore in 2016 and that we wore in 07 and 08 were perfect. So did you see the graphic they released for the Oregon game once they announced kickoff? They did like a throwback video to Duck Hunt and mm -hmm. Harry Dog was holding up the duck, but Harry Dog was wearing a black jersey. So now all the speculation is that they're going to wear black in the bends for the opener. Because the last nice. time, the last time they were in the bends, well, I guess not the last time they were bends, but last time they were in the bends for a neutral game against a non-SEC opponent, Cincinnati, they would have. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be fun to watch. I saw the Spike Squad announce they are going to have a blackout and are asking UGA fans to black out the bends, which I think is cool. That's a fun thing. And It'll be a cool thing to build as we're getting closer. I think today is 102 days until, until kick. So we'll start our 100-day countdown on Thursday. So pretty fired up about that. Um, it's hard to believe it's getting that close again. All right. What is the loss that you're still not over? 2018, January the 8th, national championship game. It hurt. It hurt for a long time. I couldn't watch that game on TV. I couldn't see that game on the te television in a restaurant. I couldn't look at YouTube videos for it after that. And um, all of that. And I wasn't in that game. I was outside in the parking lot um, at a tailgate and that one stung, but it, everything, everything was made right on back in January when we won the whole thing. It, like, yeah, it, you know, I was at peace with it. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. I'll have to ask boss this too. I have never rewatched that game. He and I watched it together, and I have never watched again. Outside of the umpteen times they've showed second and 26, I have never watched it again. I can't, I, I don't know if I can. I don't, it'll make me physically feel pain. <laughs> I still, I can't watch that, and I still haven't watched it. But now, if it, it, let's say I was out of the restaurant and it came on, I probably wouldn't have to turn my chair. It is, um, it is, it is different now that they've gotten the redemption. I feel like that, yeah. that cured, it cured so many ills. All right, this is the question I told you that we changed. Originally, this question was, what's your order at the varsity? However, when they closed the Athens location, we vowed we would not ask the question again until they reopen an Athens location. So that is no longer question 14. Question 14 is now, how do you order your hash browns at the Waffle House? You know, I don't ever have anything special. Um, I just, I like to put a little bit of yellow mustard on them, maybe a little A1 steak sauce, but I don't yeah. have any special order for them. That's our um, Waffle House is our stop generally each Sunday morning, depending how rich Friday night was. <laughs> Maybe we'll <laughs> go Saturday morning. Usually it's a post game day morning affair. Although we've talked about making the Mayflower part of that rotation too. 
um, just because we like that too. Generally, we try to reserve Saturday mornings for Mama's Boy. That's kind of become our new tradition is going to Mama's Boy on Saturdays. But Waffle House always in there. I am a scattered, smothered, and covered guy. And I always go double hash browns. If I'm feeling real dangerous, I'll go triple hash browns. But it just depends. Speaking of the Mayflower, um, one of our traditions, my dad and I, is growing up going to the games with him, was we would always eat before the game at the Mayflower and then after the game at the Varsity on Millage. So the Mayflower, I, I don't know how it is now, but it's, it was really good at, back, at, back then. It's, it's an institution. We've had um, – We've had multiple players come on that we've interviewed say that that's where they went Sunday mornings after game days is kind of like a touch point with their buddies. So, yeah, that, that's a really cool one. Plus, it's it's I feel like it's got so much history and it's it's so unpretentious, which I also mm-hmm. love. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a that's a really good one. Um, OK, there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no? Absolutely. <laughs> 3 30 or later <laughs> yeah yeah we're on board with that i did think it was a cool thing and a testament to the georgia fan base how well they showed up for the two really big noon kickoffs this year I, i've i've talked to some of the folks in the spike squad about this but i think the georgia fan base had its best season this year too i just thought they were over the top good with not only how they traveled, but how they showed up at Sanford each week. It was just a really cool thing, really added to the year, I thought. All right, last question. College football playoff. Expand to whatever they end up expanding it to. We used to say eight teams, but there's been all the talk about 12. So we'll say expand or find how it is. Find how it is. If you're not good enough to be one of the four, <laughs> then, then you should play better. All right, pivot question off of this because it's been uh, it's been in the news kind of in the last four months but they they just wrote another article about it this week because they're having the sec meetings next weekend there is talk after um the 12 team expansion was rebuffed that greg sankey is irritated like to the point where he may have a little spite in him and just say you know what we don't even need y'all so when we do our new scheduling format and expand to 16 teams, we're just going to have our own playoff mm-hmm. and we'll play, we'll play whoever y'all want to send to us, but we'll just have our own playoff and they're going to monetize it and essentially have an 18 playoff with the sec. So instead of December 3rd being the sec title game, that'll be the quarterfinal round for the sec playoffs, which I don't know how I feel about it, but the more sec football, the better. <laughs> This is a crazy world we're living in. A lot of changes in college football. But that would be – I don't know what I feel about it either, but uh, you got to beat the best to beat the best. And the SEC is the best. The article that I read said that if they did it that way and did essentially like an old-school AFL-NFL, so SEC versus everybody championship game, it would really only change it from 15 to 16 games. So the math on it game-wise wouldn't change terribly much. Um, so I'm, I, I would just tell folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you may not be otherwise inclined to do so, I would keep a keen eye on Destin for the SEC meetings, because I I think there's going to be some interesting things that matriculate out of those meetings. And that doesn't even touch all the tense tension between (laughs) Jimbo and coach Saban. But I just think there are going to be some 
procedural things that go down that that could have some earth shaking ramifications. So we'll see on that. Yeah. All right, Clayton, we're off the hot seat, brother. That's the smart 16. I appreciate you indulging us with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, we really enjoyed hearing your story. We appreciate you sharing it with us. We're so thankful that you that you listened to the show. And uh, I guess we'll start ramping up and getting excited for another magical fall here in 2022, right? Go dogs. We're going to win the national championship again. Yeah, man. I'm on board with that. Well, as we always close the show, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.